Veteran Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everybody. It's Lila, the educator motivator, coming to you from Los Angeles. This is my sixth year teaching. I am a, I think, fifth or sixth year Math for America fellow. I am also now a Desmos fellow, um, according to two days ago. (laughs) And this week, I want to talk about what I'm grateful for. We always like to, you know, start off with discussing what we're grateful for as we get really tied down into things that, you know, cause us to feel sad or cause us to be, you know, discomfort or to be upset. And this is a space that we want to uplift people and inspire people. So actually starting off with something that we're grateful for is is an amazing way to start and just to feel inspired. So this week I'm inspired or grateful for um, self-improvement and self-esteem. Just the concept, the idea that we're constantly improving and making ourselves better and constantly feeling better and better about ourselves. And I'm, you know, specifically talking about myself that, you know, it's a long time coming, but just to to be on this journey where I, I feel like I'm kind of like moving at this exponential rate of really stepping into my purpose and feeling good and making improvements on myself and, you know, trying to do better constantly every single day, even if it's something small. I have no, I, I, I'm just so grateful for being able to be in that space, to be reflective and, and do those things in my life. So this week, that is absolutely what I'm grateful for. This is the self-improvement and, and just feeling like I'm kind of the bomb, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Indeed you are. And congratulations on your new achievements. That's amazing. Greetings, great people. Uh, Coach Jay here coming live and direct from the ATL. Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I spent 12 years in the banking industry and since transitioning to a brand new career in the youth development and education space. Uh, What I'm grateful for this week um, is a couple of people that mean a lot to me. And one is my mama, M-A-M-A. She is my absolute life's biggest cheerleader. Um, I'm just so grateful for her. She just can always sense if I'm having a moment of being down, she can discern that in some type of way and just give me a phone call or shoot me a text to just get me back together. So I'm just uh, so thankful for my God-fearing, praying, and loving mama. And I'm thankful for my father, too, as well. Um, And one thing that I'm thankful for uh, the most from him um, is before we hang up the phone, every time we talk for the past 18 years, told me he loved me before he hangs up the phone. Um, That means the world to me. Um, And if you knew our history in that regard, you would understand why. I may get more into that on a different podcast episode, but uh, I'm thankful for my parents and grateful for my parents on today. Good stuff, good stuff. This is Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star. I'm a mathematics specialist. I like to call myself your favorite mathematics teacher favorite mathematics teacher. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all the social media platforms at D-R-K-C-H-I-L-D-S at D-R-K Childs. This week, I'm grateful for rest. I finally took some time off this past week and was able to rest, rejuvenate, and just clear my mind. 
and really now get back to the work of transforming mathematics education. So I highly encourage our listeners, if you have the opportunity to rest, 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 we're not robots, you have to rest sometimes. This week's hot topic, new evidence shows the massive gap in test scores between students from the wealthiest and poorest families hasn't budged in 50 years. It's time to stop attacking the problem with reform strategies that hasn't worked. Let me rephrase that again. I repeat that. The achievement gap, when we think about achievement gap, that's what separates students, has not changed in the last 50 years. Essentially, we're saying nothing, essentially, nothing in education has changed academically from a success rate in 50 years between our students. 50. Most of our listeners probably weren't even born 50, born 50 years ago. But just think back to 50 years ago, what was happening, and think to now, all the technology changes, societal changes, but in education, the achievement gap has remained the same. What are your thoughts? Man, that's, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to, to address that because you would think that with all of our advances and, and, and the more people who are talking about equity and access and, and making sure that, you know, we're giving all of our students the ability to, to achieve at high levels and we're, you know, um, erasing this concept of being colorblind, which ugh, is a whole other topic, that you would think that things would be improving as, as we make all these advancements. So it's, it's hard to put into words as to why things are exactly the same and how could they possibly be like, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand how they could possibly still be the same. Because I think in my opinion, um, the powers that be are still the powers that be, if that makes any sense at all. I mean, things are gonna consistently be the same. Um, regardless of all these other things that we've tried to, or people have tried to put in place, uh, whether it be whatever, um, nothing's gonna change until truly, in my opinion, the powers that be wanted to change holistically. There are certain people in certain demographics to where they're just gonna keep things the same. And that's what it is. If it's not innately in you to want it to change or for it to be equitable, it's not gonna change, bottom line. I think a lot of the stuff that are put in place that you mentioned, um, there's still fail safes to it uh, because the powers that be are the people that are signing off on this stuff and they know how far it can go. And you know, it's not gonna change until um, there's more effective things that are done for it to change. As we think about changing, and Jay makes a good point, when you change the quality of education where everybody can get a quality of education, you're eventually gonna change the system. And as Jay is alluding to, do we truly, and listeners, think for a moment, like close your eyes and really think, do we as a society truly want to change the system where everybody has a fair chance, everybody gets a shot, 
this an equitable society or in reality we like this system and we need to keep it inequitable and make people think they have a fair shot does that make sense it makes a lot of sense i think it, it speaks to the point where let's take uh, uh mcdonald's for example right it's not education but it's a business in my opinion there's a business to everything you have uh owner operators at mcdonald's you have district managers you have store managers you have fry flippers you have burger i mean fry droppers you have burger makers you have cashiers if we educated the cashiers and the burger maker makers and the burger flippers i'm sorry and the fly dippers the same as we did the owner operator or the ceo then then what i, I don't think we're going to be in a space to where the powers that be will want it to be education to be equitable across all demographics because of that simple fact you know um there's an owner in the nfl who made a comment um the past nfl season that said we can't have the prisoners running the prison i took a lot from that you know i took a whole lot from that and it's like why you know why can't we can't or whoever when i say we i'm speaking to for the underserved or or wherever that demographic you know why can't we own stuff and have stuff and be great and be the owner of the mcdonald's or be become the superintendent of the school or become the whatever it is you know why does the underserved have to be limited well do we need that in order for society to continue as such in my opinion i feel that we will always have individuals personally that don't want to strive to be what they are but don't limit them from an education standpoint if that makes sense but it comes back into the context of education and i'm going to keep making the point as i do in a lot of my talks do we want an educated population or do we want the hierarchies because some will say the hierarchies are needed because you need owners, you need workers. But a lot of us have never been taught when the world originated, how literally everyone chipped in and truly worked together as a society. Yes, you had kings and queens, but as a society as a whole, the goal was, hey, we're here together, let's work, work together to make the world a better place. Not as we've done it now, where it's literally the have and have not. So bringing it back to education. In this article that we're referencing for this achievement gap has bulged in 20, 50 years, a lot of it's saying it's, you know, based upon testing. Let me give you another fact. The bottom 10% of students remain behind the top 10% of students by an equivalent of four years of learning. You take the bottom half of students to the top half, there's a difference of about four years of learning. Wow. Even if they're in this at the same so, grade level. To the same grade level. Mm. So you think about students, let's say in a school environment, all 10th graders, the lowest 10%, the top 10% on average. And again, on average, with not you know, big picture, there's a gap of about four years of learning. That's, that's, that's so unfortunate, but I think 
I mean, you mentioned hierarchy. I feel like that, unfortunately, in the society that we're in right now, there's going to be a hierarchy no matter what. I think the difference between now and then that you speak of is, is the, the separation between the top of that hierarchy and the bottom of that hierarchy. I mean, there's the, the difference is so big between the superintendent of a district and the teachers. It, the, the, separate, the, the gap is so wide. I mean, if you talk about the, the achievement gap amongst students, the achievement or not even the achievement gap, the, the gap amongst, you know, the, the, the faculty and staff within a school district, I feel like it's just about the same, if not growing, you know, where, where, where you have this huge difference between not only are we talking about pay, but we're talking about their abilities to make change, their ability to, 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 to move things and change systems as a whole. You know, yes, teachers, we have a little bit of a power, but the, the ability for us to actually chip in and contribute to the changing of those systems is so minimal when it comes to who's at the top of the hierarchy in the district. So I want to posit something. Let's think back the past 50 years, and you don't have to be, you didn't have to be born 50 years ago to answer this question. When we think about the achievement gap, we think about the educational system. Picture in your mind who has been running the system for the past 50 years. Picture in your mind who's running education. Picture in your mind who are the quote unquote shock callers. I guarantee when you picture that person in your mind, it was not a person of color. And I doubt you thought about a female. So when we think about the hierarchy and the system, it's designed for a certain population, even within education. Facts. Because you know what the fact, the, the, the truth is, is that when it comes to, to certain things like that, like politics, I'm, I'm, I'm very unaware. I probably could not give you the actual name of our past couple superintendents or the superintendent of the district next to me or in Sandy or wherever. But for whatever reason, just like you said, I'm going to picture a white man. I don't know exactly who it is. <laughs> I don't have the facts on it, but it's a feeling in my soul that it's a white man. And that goes back to what you said, Jay, like it's the powers that be. Chris said this a couple of weeks ago, or, or maybe it was last week. I don't know. He's, you know, he'd be saying stuff. But um, <laughs> he said something about, you know, when, when the people who are in power, the people who have that power, you know, you stop speaking to the masses and you start turning around and you talk to the choir and people who are already there and actually say, you know, I have the power, I have the ability to, to reach out and lift up people that don't have that power or to, and to put them into positions where they can do things. Because the reality is that we are here. There are plenty of people of color to be in those powers, to be the power to be, to, to take those positions, but they're not being asked. They're not being sought out. Why? Because white people know white people and they're going to continue to ask white people. And that's what that looks like on a regular basis. It's not going to change until those people who are in those positions of power actually say, you know what, let's, let's make some intentional changes and decisions to say for this next election or whatever it is that we intentionally seek out diversity amongst this group of people or this board or this committee as we i, I like how that's a good transition point as we think about some actions i'm going to call on everyone on this podcast to give us a specific action that be, can be taken and lila you gave us one you're gonna to have to give us another one but as we think about these actions that can be taken because we know the issue 
the issue has been going on forever and the same people keep making decisions. So part of it is going to be rethinking who should be the decision makers, bringing others to the table to have equal power in the decision making process. Contrary to popular belief, the color of your skin does not make you smarter than someone else. Contrary to popular belief, your gender does not make you smarter than someone else. We are more common than we are different, and we have different lived experiences. So when we think about addressing these issues, we need to think about the lived experiences that the people bring to the table, and are they being represented? I make a big statement. Do When it comes to education, are the decision makers representative of the student body population? If they're not, you don't have a shared lived experience, how can you truly help that student? And don't give me the crap, or oh, I grew up poor too, or oh, I did this too. It's a different lived experience. As a black man, I refuse to go into an Asian community and say, hey, I know how you're living. I, I can relate. I don't. I don't know their cultural background, so what do I need to do? Sit my butt down, shut up, listen to what the Asian community is telling me, and we work together and have a common dialogue. So, Jay, what's one of your thoughts for action going forth? Then we'll go to Lila before we kind of, you know, wrap up this conversation. I, I, I won't put um, all the powers that be in that box. Um, I truly believe um, in a lot of educational systems or educational hierarchies throughout the country um, that we do. Uh, when I say we, I mean people of color, um, whether it be female, male, whatever. Um, we have allies on that side. Um, I think we need to do or can do, or let's look at doing a better job of, of sitting down our allies and having that hard, constructive um, conversation about diversity. Um, because I know, you know, having a diverse board or, or, or whatever that may look like, you can only grow from that. Um, especially a lot of us have the same credentials um, as a lot of individuals that are at the top. So we could cut that excuse out. Um, it's just a matter of being given the opportunity and being able to maximize on the talents um, and that diversity piece that we true have. So I think we need to really sit down and have hard, um, constructive conversation with our allies um, who may can have a voice to these powers that be when particular people can, or we need to go straight to the source and continue to have these conversations. Um, I think we need to start there. Yeah, I mean, I think that we need to step outside of what we've been doing because if nothing's changed, that means that we kind of sort of been doing the same thing. And and it requires for us to, to, to gain a fresh perspective or to really rethink what encompasses a quality education for all students. And that it's not just, let's get everybody iPads, let's, you know, build a new, you know, paint the building or, you know, get new this, you know, I, I think it, it's going to require to really think deeply about what a quality education looks like for all students and what students of color are missing right now. What are they not getting? Because if you say that they have a quality teacher, if you say that they have quality curriculum, then what's doing, what's happening? What's happening in our schools that are populated by our brown and black kids where they're not getting what they need in order to be successful and compete at the same level as their white counterparts? 
So as we think about, we've given you all some different things going forth to think about some action items. And I want to echo Jay's point. I love Lila's point about the, uh, the quality of what we're doing. Echoing Jay's point, there are some allies. So we're not going to paint everybody as, you know, the bad guy. But if your district isn't, isn't improving, okay, if you're black, brown, orange, yellow, green, blue, yellow, you need to do something different. Uh, I think about one of the allies I had, Dean Ridley. He's passed away. He was my dean when I was at Texas Tech University. He wanted to help. He was a white, white gentleman, but his focus was helping children of color living in poverty situations, period. And he was humble enough to say, hey, Chris, I don't have all the answers. I need help. And he tried to find different people to help him in the mission because he knew he had some power and some privilege to make a difference. As we think about some power and privilege to make a difference, that leads us to the inspirational moment to give you a little mm to make it through the week. And my mm to make it through the week with this inspirational moment is going to be take action. I'm, I'm going to let you all on in on a little secret. You're going to die one day. One day you're going to be in a hearse or cremated. You're going to die. And with that being said, you're going to die. It's not to scare you, but it's to make you think. Are you leaving a, living a life of legacy? What are you doing to truly make it different and better the world? And not just better for your house. What about your neighbor? What about the person across town who doesn't look like you? What about some poor people? What about some wealth? What are you doing holistically, holistically to make the world a better place? And a lot of people are going to say, Chris, you know, it's kind of hard to make the world a better place. That's a lot to do. Think about it like this. If you want to make the world a better place, you have to first change the nation. If you change it first before you change the nation, you got to change the state. Before you change the state, you got to change the county. Before you change the county, you got to change the city. Before you change the city, you got to change the community. Before you change the community, you got to change yourself. So it's going to start with you taking action. Will you take action for the better? Take action to make a difference. Take action to change the educational system for the better. When it starts with you, you begin to change, guess what? Then you can change your community. Then when you change your community, you change your city. Then when you change your city, you change your county. When you change your county, you change your state. When you change your state, you change your nation. When you change your nation, that's how you change the world. But it starts with who you're looking at every day in the mirror. I'm challenging each listener to take action, to bring about change, to most importantly, positively impact students. Let us know. Reach out to us on social media. What are you doing to impact? pack change and it's not about something big it's about doing something and it's going to grow into something bigger final thoughts from lila quick final thought and a quick final thought from jadron we all have a voice and that voice man can make the most the biggest ripples that you've ever seen and you'd be surprised at what your voice can do so while you still have one <laughs> before you die Start using your voice to, to, to enact, enact change and to make differences and, and really think about what's important to you and, and, and your legacy and your children and your children's children and your children's friends um, and the people that are here on this earth. How can your voice make a difference? I echo those sentiments and also, too, just a synopsis of our inspirational moment. Let's take action, guys, um, really, holistically. What are you doing to make a difference in the world? Like Chris said, if you wake up, if we wake up with that sentiment alone on our mind every single day, what are we doing or what are we going to do today to make a difference in the world? Nothing but positive can come from that. 
nothing but positive can come from that because that's helping someone get a step or two closer to their goals or dreams. That's living out your purpose. That's living on assignment. That's thinking deeper than just ourselves and our households. What are we doing to make a difference in the world? It's 2019 and things still haven't changed in a lot of instances, and especially in education. Hence the topic of our podcast today. You're speaking on achievement gaps. Just think about everything else that hasn't changed, and it's 2019. Take action. Take action. This has been the Inspire Educators Podcast. We O U T. We out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>